Hi again, everybody. It's me, JR Man. Welcome to another edition of your Life's Work Podcast. How are you? Greetings. This is uh, number four, 912. I don't even know. Um, greetings to all of you around the country. That's so effortlessly tune on to the big show. I don't know what that means. I have no damn clue. Uh, anyways, we're adding a new element to the podcast. I'm shooting this on video and we'll be uploading to a platform near you. So, hi, to greetings to all of you who can see my big, fat melon head. Um, and greetings to all of you who are just listening to my voice uh, across the fruited plain. Those of you in San Paulo, you know who you are. And those of you listening off planet, we definitely know who you are. Uh, but uh, hello, on the big show today, we're going to be doing uh, what should people know about you? What should people know about you? People freak out, man. People freak out. One of the big uh, like comments I hear uh, when I'm with people doing some sessions uh, as a spiritual director, and that's what I am, JR Man, uh, JRMan.com, J-R-M-A-H-O-N.com. If you need me, uh, everybody, frankly, needs a spiritual director like me in their life. That's just all there is to it. Um, so hit me. There's numbers and emails and all kinds of craziness that you can have. Um, but getting back to why, uh, this is what I hear. I hear a lot of times from people that it's like, oh, dude, I don't want to tell people about myself because I'm, I don't want to get hurt. And we're going to talk about that. Uh, news uh, year, the book uh, that we've been working on for the last year and a half is so damn close to being uh, able to be ordered that I can <laughs> smell it. I can smell it on the interwebs and the buy now button is ready, almost ready to be clicked. Uh, there are web pages built. There are specs being delivered to a printer of some place in the planet. I don't know. My boy Rob Supan, supan.com. I think it's supan.com. Is it Rob Supan? Whatever. Uh, If you need something designed, he can take care of you. Um, uh, But that's that. So the book is closed. Uh, Spiritual direction, ongoing spiritual direction training on jrman.com, J-R-M-A-H-O-N.com. If you want to learn about spiritual direction or you are, I'm a spiritual director, by the way. Hi, how are you? Um, What the hell is a spiritual director? I was talking to my daughter Mia earlier this morning. She says, Dad, what do I tell people about you? (laughs) I said, what do you tell people about about me? She says, I tell tell them you're a spiritual director. Then when they ask, what is that? Because that's what everybody asks. What the hell is that? Then I say, he's basically like a therapist, but he does, he puts like Jesus in it. That's fine. If you want to make that soup and spin it around and serve that, that's, that's, that's a fine answer too. Uh, spiritual direction, basically uh, two people come together and they really dive into the presence of God. And where is that? Most of us on the planet are praying like this. We're praying like God like just met us. Or we're praying like God doesn't know our circumstances. So it's God help me pay the print. God help me get that job. God help me have this relationship. And a spiritual director is going to help you go, hey, God's actually in the flow with you and in the presence right now. And what we're really praying for is, hey, God, where are you? Or show me where you're working now. Or show me you in the presence this moment. And what it does is it draws us to the presence and it helps us get a better understanding of who the hell we are. Um, Because we all struggle with that at the end of the day, which is why we build ego and persona and all kinds of crazy you know, wanting to strive and thrive and be the best and number one, um, when we can really relax into the love of God, which will be one of the hardest things that we try to do with our lives. So it's, it's not goofy, crazy, esoteric, where's the salt rock, let me sit out in the middle of the desert in an Indian style with my fingers, you know. Uh, you know, it, it's it's it, it's not. It can be that. It can be that for many people. But uh, for me, it's real. What I call spiritual common sense. So when you're hanging and sitting and talking with me, it's all about sense. 
common sense, spiritual common sense. So that's what I do. That's the news. The spiritual direction training classes are online. Please do that. We're also going to offer up um, next month in the month of August, and I think it's August... I don't know, August 19th or something like that's a Sunday. We're going to do a a night of centering prayer. Uh, If you don't know what centering prayer is, I urge you to Google it, either while you're listening or afterwards. I'm not going to get into it right now. Uh, But centering prayer is a wonderful spiritual practice that really helps calm the soul, calm the mind, calm the mind, calm the soul, calm your business. Um, And that's how that goes. Okay, so let's jump. Um, That's news. Uh, I'm in the kitchen today. So if you're watching on the big video, I'm in the kitchen. Well, this is the kitchen slash dining room area. Um, It's like 5 billion degrees in Southern California at this recording. And uh, the air conditioner hits this room really nice. So I'm staying in here. And I'm not going into my regular uh, haunt, which is uh, the bedroom, really. That's how it goes. Um, What should people know about you? So I get a lot of questions from parents, particularly parents. This is like one of the number one asks that I get when I'm sitting with people who are parents and they say, hey, man, how do I? And it's mainly dealing with teenagers. But but this basic premise that I'm going to spell out for you today is for every freaking person in your life, young or old. Young or old. But the basic premise is, hey, how do I connect with my kids? How do I keep my kids talking to me? How do I keep talking to my kids? How do I get them to uh, communicate with me? Because obviously when you get into teenagers, like 16, 17, 18, 19, uh, you know, there's, there can be a shutdown in communication between parent and child. And, uh, and, you know, for a bunch of regular, natural, normal reasons, one is the um, essence of control and dependence that a, that a kid is feeling uh, and wants. Uh, you, you, you want your kid <laughs> to feel independent. You want your kid to kind of come off the control of their parents. You do. You want that. You want that sense of independence. Um, and you want that independence, you know, not only for what they want to do with their lives, but spiritually you want that independence too. You, I, I'm a big, huge fan. It's like, you know, I know parents that like, you know, sit down and make their kids do studies and make them go to church or make them, you know, hit this, you know, you know, class or that. I'm like, yo, man, my kids, the biggest thing that I can give my kids is that sense of spiritual freedom. In other words, the investigation of what's happening on inside of them as well as out into the world spiritually. Um, and give them some uh, give them some boundaries, obviously, and give them some parameters to kind of shoot for, a target to shoot for. But at the end of the day, I'm not ruling over their soul. So that is normal is my point. My point is it's normal to want to have independence. It's normal to want to kind of reach out, um, you know, and do all those things. So, so uh, this is why I tell people. And again, this just doesn't apply to teenagers. It applies to everybody in your life. How do I get better communication with XYZ. But I just main, the main frame for this conversation is I just get a lot of this about, about kids. So this is a matter of helping people into your story. What is your story? And when I, and when I say that, when I say it's your story, I don't want your story to become a weight that hangs over the neck of the person you're trying to communicate with. And I'll, and I'll explain what I mean there. Um, getting people, and I'm looking at notes just in case anybody wants to, if you're watching a video, so I, as I write stuff here and then I, I kind of read off it, just, you know, just everybody else. Um, getting people to communicate with you means you need to help them reflect love. So in the, in just the, the baseline of communication between you and another person, you're hoping and wanting a reflectivity in love, a belonging. That's what you're wanting. Now with that, you're not wanting that to make you happy just for the record. 
because my one of my main points of everything that I do when I'm working with people is to make sure we don't have attachments that are screwing us because we're believing that people, places, and things are going to make us happy. But what I want you to do is when you're communicating, you're looking for the reflectivity of love. In other words, as you give people your story, as you give people your story, you are really truly wanting them to belong to that story. And then as they belong to that story, there's a, ref- a reflectivity of love because they care, right? They have empathetic view. They care about you. They want to know more about you. And the way you do that is you let people in. You let people in, which is going to be, a, again, a tremendously difficult for some of us because I know some of us have been hurt so badly that we're like, oh, F that. I'm never going to tell anybody anything about me again. I'm never going to share anything with me again. Um, You are looking to allow people into your life and allow them to form belonging to your story, right? The history, the present, and the ongoing nature of your story. And for those of you who are bucking the system, like I said, that are like, uh, you know, like, listen, I've heard this speech before, but I've been hurt, but I've been hurt. I've gotten hurt by my parents. I've been hurt by my best friend. I've been hurt by my you know, my boss, I've been hurt by a girlfriend, boyfriend, ex-wife, ex-husband, whatever the hurt is. And some can run deep, man. I get it. I get it. Some people use our personal stuff as an, as a way to slay and just kick our ass. And I understand that it has happened to me numerous times. Believe me, we all have that heartache and pain story. But this is where maturity comes into our lives to know that we're not going to give weight necessarily to people who are out to just kind of cut our heads off. Because what it means, you know, again, if we live in that fear of being hurt, you're not giving yourself to anybody, period. You're not giving yourself to anybody. And usually you're going to get pissed off at God. Why did they do that? Why did this happen? Why did they, uh, you know, why did they play on my insecurities? You know, why did they, why did they find out that thing about me and then the relationship's over and then they just want to broadcast that bullshit all over the, you know, the internet or, or whatever it is. When I was a kid, we, when I was a kid, we didn't have to deal with that. Like my teenage daughter has to deal with that. My teenage daughter makes a mistake or does, or, or just does anything. Right. And there's the possibility that people can now broadcast this crap all over the world. So, you know, I'm well aware of how that goes, but Again, when it comes to you wanting people into your life, we just got to realize that at some level, we got to get over it. We got to get over the fact that we're going to be hurt because we are going to be hurt. That's just how it goes. And we have been hurt, frankly. So you're going to be hurt. Like this is part of life. This is part of the process. Not getting hurt is not not part of the process. This is how it is. You were born into a world that has you know, a hatchet and a knife waiting for you at some, at, at some level at every corner. And we just got to get used to that. Am I saying have a thick skin? Am I saying ignore? Absolutely not. I'm saying, yes, you're going to feel the opportunities when you're hurt. Then I hope you feel that. I hope you don't run from it. I hope you don't numb it. I hope you don't. For me, my battle and struggle with alcohol uh, until I really decided to, well, not touch alcohol anymore uh, and just be sober was the identity that I had been hurt and I'm going to numb the hurt instead of deal with the feelings. Deal with what happened in my past. Deal with what's happening in the present. Deal with the sadness. Deal with the sorrow. Deal with the, the grief. Deal with all the BS that had at some level been poured on in my life or stuff that I didn't even have anything to do with. And some, obviously, a lot that I did have to do with. Um, so, 
hurt is hurt, and we're going to get there. But I want you to understand that. Like fear, as I'm always saying, fear is going to be a part of your life. You're going you're gonna to learn to live with it and conquer it, or you're going to ignore it, numb it, run away from it, and suffer even more grave problems. So you're, we're going to live with pain. We're going to have pain, and I want everybody to understand that. It doesn't mean we shut down. Because when we shut down, it actually does the opposite. It actually kills us even more. Um, it's not the risk you take. Like I hear people go, I'm going to take a risk. It's not the risk you take. It's the love you're willing to accept and give. And let me say it again. It's not the risk you take. It's the love you're willing to accept and give. Loving isn't risk taking. It's freedom building. So I hear a lot of times risk love. And I, I've even written this. I've even written risk love, which means that you just kind of boldly go into it, right? But the more and more I contemplate it, the more and more I think about it, the more and more I'm immersed in people's relationships all in, the more and more I'm understanding that I'm not risk taking. I'm, 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 I'm able to accept love and give love more freely, and it is freedom building at the end of the day that we want. And what's the freedom from? The freedom from no- is knowing that even though somebody's going to try to malign you or hurt you or throw you down in the dirt or be a hater in your life, even though they're going to do that, they got no power over you. That's the freedom. The freedom is truly living undefended. The, the, the freedom is living with nothing to prove and nothing to lose. The, the idea is that no one owns you. No one owns you. And you're the one that's going to give up that power. If you decide to shut down and never give up pieces of yourself again. So keeping your story does no one any good. If you keep your story, you're not doing anybody any good. In fact, quite the opposite. I would say one of the biggest responsibilities in our life is to let our story go. One of the biggest responsibilities is to tell people who we are, where we've been, where we want to go, and what's going on inside of us. That's a responsibility. This is why so many people miss like a dream or a passion or a project because we're unable to just simply let it out because we feel like people are going to think we're a dumbass. People are going to think we're full of shit. People are going to think like we don't know what we're doing. People are going to think all kinds of crazy things at the end of the day. But remember, you will be the one in allowance of giving them the power if you don't step into your story at some level. So step into your story. It is a true responsibility. Um, Blah, 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 blah. You don't have to give people the power, and we just talked about that. And I want you to use your common sense because here's, here it is at the end of the day. I'm not talking about being a doormat. I'm not talking about being open 24-7 to everybody because you're not going to be. The spiritual common sense here says there's only going to be a few people in your life that really capture who you are, and that's just how it goes. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, if, if you're that person that's just dishing about yourself 24-7 to a mass audience, I think we, we got some bigger problem to talk about. But true look, a true intimate relationship with people about who you really are and what's really going on. That's going to be a few people in your life, let's face it. It's going to be a spouse. It's going to be children, family. It's going to be a best friend, maybe a couple coworkers here and there. 
or maybe somebody that shares a passion or a hobby. But, you know, we're having spiritual common sense, which means you don't have to dish to every single person you know, but you're you're still willing at some level with the relationships around you to give your story to people. And giving your story again to people means you're not only giving love, but you're reflecting and feeling the reflection of love. Because I just want to, you do that. So spiritual common sense says don't get walked over. So people say, well, how do I allow my story out? Like, how do I allow people to know me? How do I do that? Like, my 19-year-old son won't talk to me. How do I do that? Well, when it comes to teenagers, I very much encourage you to take the finger off of their behavioral buttons, right? Like, if they're doing stuff that you don't want to do, like, get off of that button for five seconds and give them you. Give them you as a teenager. Give them you as a young adult. Give them your story at 18, your story at 17. Not as a reflective, hey, look at what I've learned. Now you do it too, dumbass. That's not it. That's not it. It's you sincerely opening up and allowing them in to 17-year-old whoever you are. I got a 17-year-old daughter, and as often as I possibly can, like, because as parents, you don't want to go, hey, I smoke dope, don't do it, although that's what you want to say. Hey, I drank a ton at the party, and but I don't want you to do that. So you kind of like, you, you, you kind of bend it a little bit, and you're like, well, I might have dabbled in a few. I, what I'm saying is, I, I'm not saying use your story as as lesson. I'm not saying that. I'm saying use your story as the way you are and were. Not as lesson, because kids get it. Kids smell it. They're like, all right, lesson, get the hell away from me. I'm shutting down. So it, this is with teenagers. So you just got to have some common sense about it. So, you know, with my daughter, I do the best I can, although I fail miserably a lot, is to be able to draw her into what I was like as a kid. And I've told her stories like when I was 17, 18 years old, I was emancipated from my family and lived by myself in my own apartment. Long story, and we can get into it some other time, but I've told my, I've told my daughter bits and pieces of that story, you know, bits and pieces of what that was like for me and the things that I struggled with, right? Struggling with sobriety, struggling with sexual stuff, struggling with school, struggling with being the cool guy or not being the cool guy, like all that stuff and doing the best I can and not necessarily being, you know, it, it's not like I'm becoming a confidant or a friend. It's that I'm really allowing her pieces of me so she can question she can think about it in terms of her own experience, and she can reflect love back to me and with, with her own understanding or be a part of my story. Because I'm not, listen, my kids aren't my friends. Like, I hear people do that all the time. Oh, my mom, my mom is my best friend. That's all garbage. I just want you to know you're a parent, and at some level, you got to be bigger than that relationship in order to help steer the ship. So if, if you just think of people as friends like that, I, I don't think you're doing your kid uh, any kind of good justice or any kind of, I just don't think it's cool. I, my kids will never be my best friends. Yeah, we can have some type of friendship relationship in there, but at the end of the day, I'm dad. And at the end of the day, I do want them to reflect and take and accept the love, not only that I have, but for, for that God has, and at the same time, help steer them a little bit and help steer them a little bit. Um, but then again, that's just one kind of experience, you know, that I'm talking about uh, when you're allowing people in it. Now, on a broader sense, it's, a, it's, it's allowing people your fear. So with Mia, it's like, what am I afraid of? So, and so here's a great example. She goes to a party. 
Um, and again, this is with teenagers. She goes to a party. Well, of course, you know, it's, it's don't drink, don't smoke, don't have sex, don't stay up all late, don't drive drunk. Like, you know, the, you, you do all these rules and stuff like that. Well, instead of dishing it out like a, you know, a plate full of don'ts, it can be the expression like this. You can't say, hey, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid that you'll get to this party and the wheels will come off the tracks and there'll be dope smoking and drinking and driving and sexual activity. And like, I'm, I'm afraid of that. I want you to know that I'm afraid of that. And as much as I possibly can, I've been trying to have that sentence with my uh, teenagers. I have three teenagers. I've been trying my best to have that as a sentence so they can gravitate grab onto and hold onto that part of my story that's afraid, that has fear for what's happening in their lives. Not because I want them to have fear, but what's the reflectivity back on that line? It's usually you've got nothing to be afraid of because I'm not going to do that. It's them being able to look and see themselves in my fear and going, yeah, well, I wouldn't do that. And again, it's not manipulation. It's just me sharing my story in that fear. And by the way, when you share fears, it becomes larger conversation for everybody else out there beyond you having a teenager with your spouse. I encourage you to tell your spouse what you're afraid of. Allow your spouse into your world and what you're afraid of. And that may sound like a terrifying, difficult uh, opportunity to take, but I'm telling you, when you do that, you let people into your your you let people into your story like that, man. And that's a big ass deal because you'll get so much talking. You'll be like, okay, we're all talked out. Let's go sit and stare at the walls. Um, allow people to know your love, what you love, who you love, how you love, how you've learned to love because you learn to love. A lot of people think like we're just born into this man and like love is love and I don't have to learn it. You have to learn to love, period, end of story. Allow people into your pain. What are you pained about? What has pained you? What has brought you pain? How have you brought pain? Allow people into that. Allow people into your history, right? Allow people into your history. Where have you come from? What have you done? Where are you going? Like allow the, allow the, the you know, the conversation to, to sit around history, not sit in history, but, you know, just as a point of reference, allow people to know your desires. What are your desires? What do you desire? Think about it. Who have you told? Who have you told about your desire? Who knows your desires? Seriously, who knows your desires? Your good desires, those desires that are, that are freak ball, the bad desire, like who knows these things? Allow people to know your future hopes. What are your future hopes? What do you hope for? I look at my kids all the time and tell them what I hope for in them. Not, not expectations. I expect you to be a doctor. But, man, I hope you're healthy. I hope you are peaceful. I hope you know God. I hope you have good, healthy relationships. Right? I want you to know that, that this is what I hope for for you. Dreams. And, again, I'm not the guy that just thinks we're on this planet just to settle our dreams. I'm not that guy. I think we're on the planet for a lot of different things. One of them, perhaps, is dream chasing, if you will. But, I mean, at the end of the day, our lives are not our own, and we really need to function in community with people. Does that mean we put our dreams aside? No, it doesn't mean we're, like, autonomous silos just, you know, self-seeking 24 hours a day. That's not, but that's how we think about dreams. In America, we've got it all jacked up. Be autonomous, be a silo, be the best, be number one, have nobody around, no, nobody helped me get to the top. You know what I mean? It's like all bullshit like that. So I'm not that necessarily that guy, but allow people into the dreams, allow people into the dreams and what that means. 
Um, allow, 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 allow. At the end of the day, talk, 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 talk. Talk until you're blue in the freaking face, which is something I know uh, those of you who hear me do this podcast all the time, I'm always saying talk. You got to talk. And that's why I love spiritual direction. I love spiritual direction because we can talk. We can listen and then we can talk and get the true expression of the present. What's happening right now? What's going on right this second in you? Where are you moving? Where have you moved from? What's happening right now? And how does that do that? So again, the mainframe, you want people into your life. You want more communication with somebody. You got to share your story. You do the heavy lifting, but make sure you're not burdening them with your story by hanging it around their neck. And what I mean is, is that you're allowing yourself onto the table and you're not like simply giving them a sense of responsibility to take it. Right, which is, you know, a lot of people go, Oh, I don't want to dump on you today, or there are people that just dump stuff and they just, you know, they dump it and then kind of leave and, and have you hold the bag. That 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 that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about truly coming to the table in the present and allowing people into those spaces that I just described. And there's more spaces, by the way. There's more ways to be known than just that. Um and you gotta be creative. You got to be creative. So how do so so what does this look like? You got to be creative. I want you to use your common sense in conversations. Uh, use your common sense in conversations. Like say to yourself, is this an, is this a, an appropriate time to be known? Is this an appropriate time to know? Like because sometimes you getting to know people is you asking those questions too. Hey, what are you afraid of? Hey, what are you pained? What's your history? Like all those kind of probing questions will also elicit. Uh, conversation, will elicit connection, will elicit belonging. When's the last time you asked your teenager what they were afraid of? And when's the last time? They went, nothing. <laughs> Sometimes teenagers aren't emotion- that emotionally available to go there, but you can also ask your teenager questions. Uh, and if you get a response, fantastic. But when's the last time you asked your sp- or spouse, what, what are you afraid of? When's the last time you asked your best friend, what are you pained by? When's the last time you asked your friend at work that you go out and have a beer with every now and then, uh, how's your relationship doing? What's happening between you and your spouse? What are you afraid of? What's going on in there? Um, don't, in this way, what I just said, don't hang the responsibility around another person's neck. Allow them to reflect the love to you as you are telling your story. So, okay, so the punch, the punch list looks like this. You gotta be creative. What is the common sense in the flow of a conversation? So I work with somebody right now and they're like, okay, I want to tell my spouse my fears. What do I do? Set a time? What do I do? You know, go out to dinner? What, what, what does that look like? And I think because, you know, sharing people, you know, sharing your fears with somebody can go either way. It can get, get super defensive because the person you're sharing fears with could, could feel responsible for those fears. And that's why I say don't hang that around their neck. So you're doing a lot of conversation that looks, uh, you know, it has to be intimate discourse. So it has to be in some way, uh, you know, not purposely set up, but yeah, man, you want it to where, you know, you're intimately alone and connected with somebody where there's not going to be a lot of distractions. If you have kids and you want to have the fear conversation, I don't suggest you do it right before dinner (laughs) or as you're getting them out of the house, (laughs) okay, or as your teenager is getting ready to go to work (laughs) or something like that. I suggest that, you know, if you, want, if you want a bigger connection and belonging and intimacy, you're going to fight, not fight, but you're going to create time 
for intimacy. So whether it's dinners, whether it's a walk, whether it's, you know, hanging out or just simply creating that time where you can face off with people, have some common sense to do that, have some boundaries yourself on how that time will work. Um, What does that mean? Well, having some boundaries would be like, I'm not going to simply have, I'm not going to, you know, have to have the fear conversation at a bar while we're, you know, blowing through drinks. Right? I mean, you're going to have some common sense about that. And I know most of, most, I know everybody gets that. I was going to say most of you get that, but I think, I think everybody gets that. Um, number two thing, number two, so there's be creative. The number two thing is be open and be willing to have another person ingest your story, regardless of what happens. So it's not going in blind. That's not it. It's not going in blind. It's just you're willing to allow your story on the table. And again, there's common sense here. You're not going to give your story to somebody who you know is going to do a hatchet job on you an hour later. So there's some discernment here. In fact, there's a prayer here. You know, the prayer is like, hey, Lord, who, God, who in my life can I give my story to, right? And the easy answers are spouse. The easy answers are kids. You know, but somebody says, well, my spouse is an asshole. I mean, I can't do it. Well, okay, I get it. Again, it's common sense. It's common sense. But I don't want your fear. I don't want your fear to be the guiding, uh, the guiding light to this practice, right? I want your sense of love and belonging to be the guiding light of this practice of sharing your story. Because if your fear is your guiding light, you ain't sharing your story with anybody. So again, there's common sense. There's looking at the people in your life and really understanding what's going on there. So it's creative discernment or common sense to be able to share the story. And the third one is the attachment to the divine. The third one is the attachment to the divine, which is, which is what I was talking about in the, in, in the prayer. It's like, hey, Hey, God, who in my life, how in my life, where in my life is my story most needed? Because for those of you out there that have a story where you have overcome or simply learned a mature lesson or have gained wisdom as a result of some pain or hurt or whatever circumstances are in your life, I'm telling you right now that people need your story. They need to understand what your circumstances were 10 years ago as they roll through some of the similar same circumstances in their life now. Part of the reason I love being a spiritual director is because at 51 years old, I have amassed a a buttload of experiences in my life that can speak directly to a myriad of different situations, not only professionally, but personally and spiritually. I said, hell, I mean, I adopted three kids, and just, just what that alone has done to me personally speaks. There's a volume of wisdom that has been acquired over the course of time, where if I don't share that, holy crap, I would be doing a disservice to the people around me. And I'm not saying that egotistically. Sit and now listen. That's not it. That's not it. I know there's parents out there that vibe on how I parent and want to know what we've learned and how we've adjusted along the way. It's just like I tell people. I tell people about the cell phones in my house. We made a grave, huge error giving our teenage daughter early on a cell phone. And it wasn't because she screwed it up. It's because we screwed it up, not understanding what the cognitive ability was at 14, 15 years old, handing somebody a computer with access to the World Wide Web. We just didn't get it. 
it was cute and fun and always oh, look she can communicate with us and have a little facebook and everything would be happy but we opened the door up to the entire the entirety of the world which meant good bad and ugly and at some point we needed to ingest that which is why i tell that story and so now my two teenage boys one of which who's jones for a cell phone ain't getting it <laughs> <laughs> That's just how it goes. They'll get a flip phone with no access to the I- internet until there's a real maturity that happens, a cognitive ability. And now, see, now other parents will argue it then at this point, but this is why you need to know my story. And my story is very clear and very definitive. My, my story is very clear and definitive on this. And the story is this, is that it's not that I'm watching necessarily for mature spikes. Oh, here's a, here, here's a computer. That's not what I'm watching. I'm watching for the cognitive ability in my, in my kids. I'm watching them, how they take in the world, right? I'm watching how they love. I'm watching how they have mercy and grace. I'm watching how they take in pain. I'm watching how they give pain. I'm watching all those things as my wife and I decide when is an appropriate time. And I don't even know if any time is an appropriate time to give anybody a damn cell phone, to tell you the truth, given how it's just so bent us in so many different ways. The point is, is that story gets you thinking. Like, I, if you've got kids and you just heard me, you start to think about what you're doing with your kid. Maybe you disagree. Maybe you agree. Maybe you take something and run. Maybe you just disagree and you just form your own deal. Whatever you want to do with that, that's my story. Hopefully it turns something inside of you. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it, man. It's 32 minutes into this. Greetings to all of you on Video Land. Hi, how are you? I hope you'll come back and hang out with us later. Man, do I love all of you. If you need me, jr at jrman.com. jr at jrman.com. The number is on the website. I'm a spiritual director. I'd love to spiritually direct you. I really would. I'd love for you to hang out and do our thing together. Uh, Sessions are open right now for August. Come book a session for August, y'all. Summer's almost over. I know you want it. I know you need it. Check out the website, jrman.com. You got to know how much I love you. Until next time, my good people, know one thing. There is nothing to prove. There is nothing to lose. Lose. And by God, live undefended. You can do it. Peace out. <laughs>